0: Hello and welcome to You Don't Know Lit. My name is Nick Argeris, and this week I'm looking for the best book about Napoleon. To help me are two little high school English teachers, Ian and Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Hello,
1: my name is Joe Holshue. I'm a little high school English teacher. Do you think he talks like, like
0: that? Uh, what? <laughs> well, that's,
1: I, that's because he was French. Hi, Nick. My name is Joe Holshue. I am a pretty, relatively normal sized high school English teacher, unlike Ian DeYoung, who is a Massive. Yeah. I am the
2: least Napoleonic in yeah, stature. He's quite <laughs> tall. Mm-hmm. He's quite. T-
1: if you're looking for a book about Napoleon, okay, this is going to sound stupid. Okay. I brought a book called Talleyrand, which is the name of a Classic. different guy that is not Napoleon, yep. uh-huh. but who is like Oh, I- extremely Napoleon adjacent. I swear to God.
0: Okay, <laughs> Joe brought a Napoleon adjacent book. <laughs> last last couple of weeks ago, we did Nevada Day.
2: Mm. And we brought very extremely Nevada books. Um, and I think we kind of wore ourselves out. with it. <laughs> A little too <laughs> Got, on got, the got a little too close to the sun. <laughs> Hands to splice the main brace, Nick. Reef the That's fourth gallon sail, Joe. About. Fish the Miz yes. and Litheads. This week, I'm Lieutenant Ian DeYoung, bosun of English Lit. And I brought a lithead recommendation from superfan... Rachel set in the Napoleonic Wars. That's my connection. Master and commander by Patrick O'Brien. So just to be clear, I think Ian and I, neither one of us probably have that much to say about Napoleon. I have have a really one. I have one, possibly two really good things to say about Napoleon. Just because he wasn't
1: very interesting, Joe, or yeah, he didn't do that much. Turns out not that big of a deal. May your earlobes turn into assholes
2: and shit
0: on your shoulders. Hey, the plot doesn't fucking matter at all. This is what I think it's about. If
2: you look closely (laughs) enough, every author (laughs) was at some point a racist.
0: Audiobooks don't count, right?
2: All art is quite useless. (laughs) Who who told you that? Fun fact, that is how Joe laughs.
0: laughs.
2: Do you guys know the thing about his tummy? Uh, Napoleon's, Napoleon's tummy, tummy? or I was touching it in those pictures. Joe's tummy. I mean, we could talk about Joe's tummy. Joe, how was your tummy this morning? Oh, um,
0: no, no my no. tummy's fine. Yeah.
1: I was just thinking <laughs> of Nick's daughter when she turned whatever age she is now, I asked her how, how old she was and she showed me
0: her tummy because apparently
1: that's shows that you're big, right? Like she's like, I'm really old
0: now. Here's my tummy. We told her that, uh, when your tummy gets big, that means you're going to go through a growth spurt. <laughs> oh, okay. So now she so tells her to her tongue. It's
2: uh, amazing what what
0: they do when they re- amazing what happens when they repeat what we tell them. <laughs> so Na- Napoleon's tummy, Ian. Ian, you were talking about the stomach of a, a, a ruthless dictator.
2: Yeah. So he's often um, painted with his hand on his tummy, kind of jammed in his shirt. Right. Yeah. um, This is kind of one of the one of the Napoleon things that you mock when you're trying to do like when you're doing your best Napoleon, you like you, you ram your hand in your shirt. And for a long time, uh, art historians were like, why? You know, why? Why? did? Why? Why did? Why did he do that? What Mm -hmm. was the point there? What was going on there? And it turns out that Napoleon and other people of the era thought this was a power pose. This is one of the ones you demonstrated. Power pose. You were a badass is by ramming your hand between the buttons of your of your frock coat.
0: Yeah, this is like the arm behind the back, you know, that the old people do when they're in a park walking slowly. Yes, 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 yes. This is is a power pose. This is why I flex in all of the pictures that are taken of me. I I roll up my sleeves (laughs) and I show my muscles. Show the power. And I guess it worked because he killed a lot of people with his power.
2: <laughs> yeah, and, and people know him as right. right? As three, powerful. three things, three things, mm-hmm. yeah. powerful. Yep, hand yep. on his tummy and short. So, yep, you know, kind of self
0: Well, welcome, Litheads to you don't know little weekly as we call it strongly podcast, where every week we bring two book recommendations. Sometimes selected by us, sometimes selected by you, Lethead, so please. Sometimes by, selected by a blend of us and you, like yes. the unholy chimera
2: of us and you. A classic.
0: Just to upset one of these high school English teachers, we will pick a winner. Gentlemen, some rules, only unavoidable spoilers. Rule number two, omit needless words, Joe. Okay? Mm-hmm. Got it. And rule number three, <laughs> only winning matters. Like, Only winning matters. Am, anybody want to make a Napoleon connection on that last rule? Oh, Ooh, good one. Because yeah. he was a big winner, right? But then he
2: broke. Mm. But then he broke rule number three because he lost. And then mm. he came back from exile and tried to win and lost again. He was yeah. such a loser. He lost twice. Wow! Well, mm. you got to try though, right? Yes. You do got to try. Yeah, you and that's gotta. why Heads we're taking this this opportunity to launch our quest for world domination. <laughs> we're going to invade Russia. We're going to go super well. It's going to be cold.
0: Okay. So it's been established. We won't learn anything about Napoleon in this episode. Is that correct? <laughs> Napoleon adjacent. Just the book recommendations. One tangential <laughs> fact, one tangential fact about Napoleon. Okay, great. Uh, Joe, do you want to tell me what your your theme-adjacent book is all about? Yeah, Nick,
1: (laughs) unique in his own age, a phenomenon in any. Charles Maurice Prince de Talleyrand was a statesman of outstanding ability and extraordinary contradictions. He was a world-class rogue who held high office in five successive regimes. And these weren't like peaceful transfers of power. These were like when you beheaded the people that came before you. (laughs) Yep. Um, He was an opportunist. He was a bribe taker. He was ultimately like a pretty impressive dude uh, he amassed a vast <laughs> personal fortune sure those things um, connect yeah
2: i have not i have so much to say about this guy i mean yep. i have two i have two quick like rapid fire responses first of all just to refer to someone as a bribe taker like yeah. Yes, you know, some of us have morals, but I would take bribes. Like, lit heads, if you sure. want to bribe me to mm-hmm. to do a bad job, like if you right. want me to throw the episode every week to throw
0: Joe, me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by all means, right. I will, I
2: will take that. bribe. I will take that bribe, like yes. NFL yeah.
0: refs. Now, how do I get statesman? How do I start being called a statesman? Mm, well, fr- number one, power adjacent, right? Adjacent to Napoleon. You also have to survive. Like, I think the statesman who we, we think From about thirty six, that's pretty good. Okay, we have to survive. I am like, older than. Everybody alive when Charles Maurice was alive.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: Charles Maurice, him.
1: fun fact, lived to be 84 wow. years old, which is
0: one of in, the, in, in the, that the average life My was goodness. 24, I think. In, in, 16, in early 1800s, which we can all, I think, agree is the worst time th- to be alive. Is the 1800s? Ian, uh, I would just, dis- I would disagree. There are worse times. Right now, <laughs> perhaps. Um,
2: I, I think it's interesting. It's interesting that. He, like, he balanced through all these regime changes. I'm fascinated by people who do that. He must be a real piece of shit. Well, yeah, you have to, like, there has to be some, like, absolutely, absolute, like, amorality, lack of principle. Right. Like, yeah, man. Something is clearly going on. Pure yes. loyalty to the crown. Um, Ch- Jeffrey Chaucer, who wrote The Canterbury Tales, was not as high in the court as um Talleyrand, but, like, he... He had a good position in the English court back in the medieval times. And then there was a whole usurpation. The king got killed like kind of mini revolution. And he retained his high position in the court of the new guy. It's not just just like he didn't get killed along with the rest. He stayed in that, in that role. That's Mm -hmm. just, it's bonkers to me
1: yeah Uh, well and Talleyrand not to one up Jeffrey Chaucer that's not what this podcast is about we respect Jeffrey Chaucer he did a lot of good stuff Um, but like Talleyrand not only maintained his position through each successive regime but got a promotion every time he leveled up every time he's like hey I know I was important in that last regime but guess what if I'm more important in this regime, yeah. it's going to be good for you. Right. This
0: is some real uh, uh, Henry Kissinger shit, huh? Just kind We're of sli- like, sli- like sliding like, through the cracks. Henry Kissinger is still alive. That's the thing that blows my mind. Right. Yeah. People do are not because if anybody
2: deserves death, <laughs> <laughs> every now and then I like I, I see something about him on Twitter. I'm Sorry, X, and X, it feels please. it feels like it feels like a lie. It feels like fiction, fake fiction. And that lie. he's
0: just still doing great. He sh- mm-hmm. <laughs> if anyone yes if anyone Joe, is your guy be. a war criminal is it pretty clear? A great well, stated? yeah
1: it's it's it comes with the hand doesn't it yeah it, it comes with yeah that's what diplomat means Nick.
0: <laughs> that's what statesman <laughs> is code for <laughs> there's no criminal. such thing as
2: an ethical billionaire there's no such thing as a statesman who's not a war criminal ian i mm-hmm. brought a fiction book jack aubrey thinks he'll never get promoted to captain of a big wooden boat But then he does get promoted (laughs) to captain of a big wooden boat. But it's not that big of a wooden boat. It is a wretched, small, slow, stodgy tub of a Uh, sloop. Undeterred, though, by character clashes with his staff, the deficiencies of his ship, and the dangers dangers of the Mediterranean theater of the Napoleonic Wars, Jack sets out to take, burn, sink, or destroy as many French and Spanish ships as he can and try to avoid getting captured along the way. This week, I brought Master and Commander by patrick o'brien it was made I'm into mad. a movie which never got a sequel
0: is this did it need a sequel
2: well i read something online on the internet recently mm-hmm. that said that the goal with that was a whole master and commander verse yikes hey joe boat why don't you go yes. first oh you you want to hear about Talleyrand. Yeah, all right <laughs>
1: all right <laughs> It's so hard to talk about biographies, and this is a biography. Like this is a, a Pe- story of this guy's life. It's an old book. Uh, this book was written. I mean, it's not like a really old book. It's not Geoffrey Chaucer, but 1932. This book was. Oh, written.
2: it's so old.
1: Yeah, it's it's pretty old. That's old by American standards. Uh, this book is from 1932. It was written by a British guy. Uh, the British guy was named Duff Cooper, which
2: just is an amazing name. Does he say like a lot of mean stuff about about the French? Because mm, no, like, wait Br- British, British on French people, mm-hmm. they can either be like grudgingly um polite or they can be like this monster.
1: No, Duff Cooper is a fan of Talleyrand. Okay. he's a big fan of Tally. A tally Rand. fan. Yeah, a tally fan. Duff Cooper's a statesman himself, right? And I think Talleyrand well, was how like how does he, he
0: get that title?
1: Well, he got he that title. killed a lot of people.
0: Maybe oh. you start with a
2: genocide, and then they say, oh, a statesman is.
1: Well, it's actually kind of funny, because the way that both of these guys got this title is they were born into nobility, right? Ah. But they were kind of like the youngest son in nobility, so you got to kind of figure out what to do with them. In Talleyrand's day, that meant that he became like a Catholic priest, and then eventually bishop, and then kind of climbed his way to power that way. In Duff Cooper's day, it meant that you get elected to parliament and eventually get to be part of Winston Churchill's cabinet and become the minister of information which is a pretty good yeah, we've title. talked about
0: that we love that title it's a great yeah, one that's good
1: minister of information he was a diplomat he was a military historian this is duff Cooper that I'm talking about, but you can start to see some parallels and why he might look up to a guy who was a famous statesman, Identical a famous to him. diplomat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Saw some
2: parallels
0: in his own life. A couple. So okay. Uh but, so but, is, but is this
2: like is Talleyrand like the guy that all the statesmen are like, oh man. Some oh, is he like the oh, is yeah, he the I idol think
1: Talleyrand is the golden calf here. Like he is the one that statesmen are like, man, I if I could only if I could only, can you imagine? Yes.
0: Um, okay. So Duff Cooper, and is hmm. he is he dead? I, presumably. presumably. He wrote this book in 1932. <laughs> okay. He wrote he wrote this book in the five years. Maybe he's like Kissinger, maybe he's just still fucking
1: trucking, man.
0: <laughs> still
1: going. I would like to point out that Duff Cooper is one of those great elite British names that like hmm. Is, is super posh, but sounds super like common, right? Yeah. Like Duff Cooper sounds like a guy that you would drink beer with, but it also sounds like a man born into a 600-year-old British noble family.
0: Right. I mean, I think that's what uh, hanging with Mr. Cooper was ba- all based on. Based on Duff. Huh. Anything else about this author, Joe? That no, is nothing gonna be else about cr- this That author. was just just a direct that's parallel it. to his subject. Did he write anything else, or is this just kind of like, he just loved this guy? Not huh? really. He just like, drops in. Just drops how, in how with long a Talleyrand. This, book,
1: this book's about 400
0: pages long. Oh. Oh. Okay, that's not as bad as I thought. No, I, some I, biographies I just, are obnoxious. Tell us about Talleyrand, Joe. Yeah, D-
1: the most I'm sorry, notable what is thing it, about... What is his full name? Oh my God, one second. We I just gotta call him Tally, right? His name is Charles Maurice Prince de Talleyrand, right? So, Talleyrand was presumably like his estate. Like he was okay. the Prince of Talleyrand, okay. right. but he goes by Talleyrand. That's, that's Tell us all
0: about Talley. The
1: thing that he's most fu- famous for is obviously his resiliency.
0: He-
2: obviously
1: obviously he saved uh, he served for five successive french regimes and like i said in my 30 second intro these were not peaceful transfers of power right he was um a bishop under like louis oh i'm always going to mix up the french names but like the the louis king like the king louis right the the last
2: the last louis the The last last louis he was a bishop under there the sun
1: king Yep. Then there was the French Re- French Revolution. And Nick, I don't know if you remember the French Revolution. I mean uh, we weren't. Not, not first, obviously. Yeah. But people were famously beheaded. Like anybody <laughs> in a state of power, right? Like in a position of power. You
2: weren't anybody unless you were beheaded. <laughs> Can I just like take a brief time out to remind you all that the guillotine was invented as a humane method of, of execution? Yeah. The guy who yeah. the guy who made up the guillotine said, you know what? Hang me. Humanitarian. Too cruel. Mm. We're gonna do this in the scientific way, with an incredibly sharp knife high up in the air,
0: okay. using the this force is, of gravity. This is great, Ian. Okay, you pick then: Beautiful. guillotine or hanging. Which one are you? Oh, guillotine. I um, want a guillotine. You want it hang don't. for like thirty seconds and just like
1: well, I think your neck snaps. When yeah, you're your neck snaps. Also, ah,
0: also. Have you ever seen a movie? I don't think so. You <laughs> fucking like wiggle there forever. Here's the thing, okay? The guillotine
2: allows my enemies to triumph over my head. They can take oh. my head and stick it up on a stick. But if right. I'm hung, what, are they going to stick my, my body on oh, a stick? Well, maybe. Yeah, but
0: they're going to do something to you, bud. <laughs> well, yeah,
1: but they could hang you from the ramparts as a warranted to it,
2: others.
0: Okay, so for 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 um, preserving Ian's dignity, he's going to yes. wiggle. I would say hanging. Wiggle, nah. Hanging is more uh, dignified. But then you got to wear the black sack over your head. Like, that's how you go out with just nothing. It's just black. And you don't know. Like, you, you don't gonna know when it's going to happen. Oh, oh my God. man.
1: Yeah. All right, well, this is tangential to the conversation All because right. yeah. famously one did not get guillotined. Never had to worry about these things. Never well, I'm sure he had to worry about them. <laughs> <laughs> so he he was there during the French Revolution. He was there when Napoleon took over. He was there when Napoleon wow. lost power. He became wow. like and with each successive regime, he literally
0: got a promotion,
1: right? Like he he of was a yeah it was it was pretty
2: you're not making lateral he, moves
0: through a, a regime change was he doing that thing
2: where he like at the, as he saw um uh, i this turned this started off as a joke but i think it might actually be more true than i expected as he saw things going bad he sort of positioned himself so for the next one when the next person rolled up you're like yeah i was actually helping you from behind the scenes the whole time
1: this is... That's what I would do. If I he's got it. a great quote where he says, The art of statesmanship is to foresee the inevitable and to expedite its occurrence. Is what he oh, said. That's wow. incredible.
0: <laughs> I love that so, so much. like, I, I'm curious to know, like, I don't, how much does your book go into, like, his surviving? Because I do keep going back to Kissinger. Not that I'm a Kissinger es- expert, mm-hmm. but, like, Kissinger survived... By playing both sides, both political sides, and by always being of value to both parties, yes. that way, when there yep. was a change he was he was there right by them to provide value or whatever so so you two have predicted this perfectly let's right? explain this it it perfectly
1: <laughs> yeah. It's hard to say that he was a both sides right? But like he wanted to provide value to everybody that was involved, right? So famously, um, Napoleon sent him, there, there's a, many like little anecdotes about Talleyrand, and Napoleon sent him at a certain point to Russia to kind of negotiate for peace with Russia, right? And Talleyrand goes to Russia, and he talks to the Russian czar at the time, and he basically told him flat out, he's like, hey, this is all the stuff that Napoleon wants, I don't think you should give him any of it. Right? Like, like he doesn't really to have, Russia? like straight up Smart. like wow. I don't think you should give him any of it. He doesn't have a leg to stand on and he's got this great line where he says, um, I have to find
2: it. Find, it's okay, Joe. You can. Find I love it. The, I love the move that says, "Yeah, I actually my boss got this. is crazy. I mean, guy. My, <laughs> my boss wants X, but I'm, I actually know that Y is better for him. I just that's, yeah, that's, that's I so love good. it. So
1: he said he says to um he says to uh, Alexander the First of Russia. He says, Sire, it is in your power to save Europe. The French people are civilized. Their sovereign is not. The sovereign of Russia is civilized.'" his people are not the sovereign of russia should therefore be the ally of the french people right and like it, he he had this ability to like come out of these international conflicts these these world shaping conflicts totally unscathed and as you could expect like yeah. his reputation is a little bit besmirched, right? Like people don't really know what to say about him. Don't, they like don't know nowadays? what to think about him.
2: Or well, go back then.
1: No, no, even today, like there's a line of historical thought that thinks, Hey, on one hand, it seems like Talleyrand was this brilliantly adaptable right. politician. Right. His skills and experience made him impossible to ignore, even by those people who had every reason in the world to guillotine him. Right. 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 On the other hand, he might just be a great big opportunist, right? Like as he's getting these successive promotions, he's amassing a huge fortune. Each one pays more. He had a huge art collection. Aren't those
2: two sides of the same coin? Like, yes. Like part of, part of being really good at at politics is being a huge opportunist. And I'm not going to get political here, but like, I feel like in the last, you know, (laughs) eight, (laughs) to 10 years, we've seen a ton of people who ought not to be, Particularly, we, we may not imagine them to have particularly the the skills to be at the highest levels of government, but they they take advantage of the moment. So I don't know. I, I don't I don't really see those as, as diametrically opposite.
1: Right. It's like it's like oh hey, guess what? To be a successful politician, you maybe have to
2: be incredibly opportunistic. Was he just a um, really charming
1: Joe?
0: Oh, like does Nick. it talk about that? Like does it talk he about like how he's so getting-
1: charming? He had this air and and this is really um, characterized in the book, he he comes across as very lazy in this book, but lazy in like a noble kind of almost admirable way, right? So like the way the author or a contemporary describes it is like, There'd be a party and he would be lounging nonchalantly on the sofa, his face unchanging, his face impenetrable, his hair powdered, talking a little, sometimes putting in a subtle or mordant phrase, lighting up the conversation with a sparkling flash, and then sinking back into the attitude of distinguished weariness and indifference, right? Um, So he was like too cool for school. He was so cool. The regime changes that Talleyrand survived and thrived through were some of the most tumultuous regime changes in, I don't know if you call this modern history, but in time, right? So it went from a monarchy the people rose up and they killed all the monarchs and beheaded a bunch of people then we go to napoleon rising up um like taking you know like conquering countries conquering countries conquering countries napoleon losing and like the rest of europe being like hey france um we have to punish you for this like we can't allow this to happen again right and reinstating like a constitutional sort of monarchy again right so now all the like reinstating the constitutional monarchy Napoleon coming back like these are he survived through
0: wars he survived through hostile takeovers okay is that what what's the focus of the book is this just an a telling of history what's not not gonna believe what he did next so what's the source material yeah is it kind of like just to better understand him um is it better like on a personal level on like a a, a career path what (laughs) like what's the what's the book trying to say
1: I think one of the things this book does is it really tries to cement his legacy and make an Mm. argument for his legacy because I think he is a divisive figure, right? He is this figure where you can take a look, where you can look at him as very admirable and very impressive or very like skeezy and worm tonguey and backhanded and things like that.
2: To be clear, mm -hmm. to be clear, Duff, Duff. Buffer is on Team Talleyrand. He is Duff is a fan.
0: Duff is okay. a huge right. tally fan. Do politicians read this book and they're like, oh, yeah, oh, boy, I like, love like, business like, bros in the art of yeah, war? Is this yeah, art of or war like for Valley, politicians? Yes. Yeah. They, they must. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, All this right. book is super sympathetic to Talleyrand. Like, when you read it, it's impossible not to like the guy, right? Like, you really. Know, Oh, yeah, like you, oh, you know what he comes across as he comes across almost like almost like a rogue, almost like like a han solo or something like that, where it's like oh, a drug smuggler a drug smuggler. Uh, it's like, oh, here's a person who is who does not necessarily have the truest moral compass. right Like here's a person who is a survivor. like right. when the dust settles, Talleyrand is still sit, standing there, right? but He's also, like, witty and charming and intelligent and, like—and crafty, and you really can't—like, he's a rogue. Like, you cannot help but admire Talleyrand
0: in this. Because of the author.
1: Um, well, the author at one point says that Talleyrand was not willing to die for his <laughs> principles. Quote: He was not even willing to suffer serious inconvenience.
0: On <laughs> <account."> oh, love <laughs> it! Well, honestly, I kind of relate to that. Yeah, not even. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I guess Slight I would Maybe,
2: maybe one would push back and say, he, like the principle for him was self-preservation. Like, well, what what kept him alive and what kept him him?
0: Um, it has to be he put himself above. Thing. Right, so that's at, at my, my
2: point. The point I'm not trying to make is that's a principle too. To okay. say like, I mean, that's that's an ethical code to say. My 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 greatest good, the greatest good is me, is me not dying, <laughs> right? Is okay, me I mean, not but, getting guillotined.
1: That's absolutely true. But I think, but I need to say that that's not what Duff Cooper argues. Like Duff Cooper is uh-huh. like, okay, look we could look at this guy as out for number one, right? He's a, like, nobody's a bigger Tally fan than Tally than tally Rand, right? Mm. We could look at that. <laughs> However, he says, if you look at the way he behaved throughout his life, there absolutely was a set of core beliefs, which he held. And okay. those beliefs often made him unpopular with those oh, in power. interesting. Like okay. unpopular with people, even that he served. And prime among those core beliefs was a desire for peace, rather than oh, conquest.
2: Oh.
1: And a commitment to a constitutional monarchy, right? Like okay. those two things he worked for throughout. So there's even these stories. He has this like this kind of practiced air of laziness and kind of very famously as Napoleon would storm around and tell Talleyrand, "Hey, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, I need you to do this." Talleyrand would very frequently just not do those things. Right, smart and then when napoleon came back a, a week later and was like oh i've been thinking about it i don't think we should do that anymore right like napoleon too is a little bit mercurial mercurial uh talleyrand says
0: well good news you know,
1: good emperor <laughs> i've got great news for you <laughs> he sounds that's like a I lazy uh,
0: piece of shit so joe um <laughs> as you read this book how okay what uh what is your opinion of this person and how much do you think that's influenced by the author being so on this guy's side
1: oh. I think that for you to read this book and not be a fan of Talleyrand, and you're absolutely right, because the author is so much on his side, you would really have to be reading between the lines and really have to be looking at the objective facts and be like, okay, well, the author says it this way, but I mean, come on, right? Right. But I will say... You'd have to have independent thought. You'd have to have independent thought, which, God forbid. Um, (laughs) I will say, like, Talleyrand, like, one of the things that comes across in you, we all know people like this, is even for all of his political maneuvering, the, there's this wonderful <laughs> word um, That's that me. the author uses, turgiversation, turgiversation, right? What Which does basically it mean? Means, oh, it basically means that Talleyrand was incredibly willing to turn back, is what <laughs> it meant. <laughs> What is the word <laughs> Okay. Again? What is the word? Yeah, Tergiversation.
0: Tergiversation. Tergiversation. It sounds completely yep. made up. It sounds like several words just put together. Well, all words are several oh, words I found put it. together. Oh, okay. Um, well, wait a we'll win that conversation, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually, no. He's true. This, this is a thing. This exists. Yeah. It's, no, a thing. Yeah, it's, it's a thing. We believe you, It's Joe. a super stodgy word, obviously.
1: Um, but like he was undoubtedly an amazing diplomat. Like after Napoleon, after Napoleon like, you know, caused a lot of trouble in Europe and all of Europe got together and they were like, hey, we super need to punish France for what they have done. Talleyrand was the guy that did the negotiations at that table. And his argument to the rest of Europe was, you could super punish France and you, and you would not be wrong to do that. But a strong France is really good to keep the, a strong England in check. And uh-huh. if you super punish France, England is just going to have their way with Europe. There's going to be nothing to stop them. And they emerged from this conference after Napoleon like conquered all of Europe. France emerged from this conference as a strong state with its military intact. And the new regime was like, hey, Talleyrand, you get a promotion. Really good job on that. Hmm. So he has a lasting legacy. Like he really was an advocate of the, balance for power in Europe, right? Like, he didn't want any one state to be much stronger, like, considerably stronger than the other. It'd be nice if France was a little stronger than the others. <laughs> but for the most part. Uh, he was a, a huge advocate of modernizing France, right? Like, he played a huge role in, Electric, like electric cars. A, 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 among other things. Um, Eiffel Towers. No, he supported, like, educational reforms. He advocated for economic development, like, established a legal framework that, like, has endured... And he also has had like this. The whole time I was reading this, I actually kept thinking of Ben Franklin. Like,
0: mm. did, they be,
1: did they have glasses? Or a mm. kite? The author never really makes this connection right so this is maybe something that i'm maybe i'm bringing too much to this but probably Talleyrand was like very french right like he was like he was steeped in the art of conversation Mm -hmm. he was a patron of the arts he was very fancy he was a fan of culture he was a french intellectual and in the same way that i like sometimes i think that ben franklin is kind of like the seed that the American ethos has grown from. Right. 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 I think there's an argument. I think you could make an argument that Talleyrand is kind of the seed that the French ethos has grown from. Right. Like he almost like set forth this way of this way of thinking, this way of life for French being in the world.
2: It's interesting that, so he, he, his era of influence was right at a phase when France was leaving the way they'd been for a long time and beginning what had to come after that, and France hasn't been, uh, as I understand, it hasn't been particularly stable since um, the 1790s. Like, there's been mm-hmm. a lot of coming and going. It's but been a while, huh? um, it's it's interesting that it's interesting that that he you're seeing him as the seed when he was at a really good time for that. Um, fr- France France has been around for a long time, but but not the France that we know
1: right and also it should be said like this is contemporary to the time that things were really getting shaken up in America like yeah. between a couple of these regime changes um, Talleyrand thought I gotta get out of the country and lay low for a little while like he went to England until England was like yeah you can't be here anymore and then he <laughs> went to America and lived with Aaron Burr right oh, wow. <laughs> like, oh like, wow. was wow. he in Hamilton he was not in
2: oh, Hamilton man. Although this opportunity.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Simple. I enjoyed this book. I didn't know anything about the guy before this. Uh, it was it was awesome. I liked it.
2: Huh. So I know a lot about Tully now. I still know practically now. nothing about
0: uh napoleon but well, i did I think have
1: that thing in there how he's mercurial right? yes like you how he was always that, ordering yes. people about
0: adjacently you've learned so <laughs> much though um <laughs> joe does this book focus more on him or like how much do you learn about um maybe like the history of the time like what was happening at the time like
1: Y- you know, I've really grown to just think of Napoleon as Talleyrand adjacent. Reading this book <laughs> makes me feel like makes me feel like all of French history is just Talleyrand adjacent, right? So, so sure, you I, do get it, but I mean, the book just, is absolutely focuses on him. You know, it's like, oh, and then when this regime change happened, this is what Talleyrand did. Did he have a favorite food? Uh, you, baguettes, uh, crepes. Oh, well, uh, we'll just end uh, baguettes. I think, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. Thank you, uh, Joe.
0: Excellent work. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs>
2: as we transition out of uh, the Talleyrand adjacent Napoleon towards the ship adjacent Napoleon, I'd like to make a comparison and this Mm -hmm. is the the week's bird fact. Oftentimes we've been doing really, really nice birds, happy birds, sweet birds. Mm -hmm. But I think it's time we talked about Derek. Um, (laughs) Derek Derek lives near, he lives in the town of Rossington in Yorkshire, England. And Derek is evil. (laughs) Um, Derek is, you know, it's like, you know, like those black bears that get uh, the taste for food and then come into everyone's house. This Naughty. is a, a bird, a bird mm-hmm. that does that. So, um, for a while, Derek was, Derek is a jackdaw. I was going to ask what kind of bird a is this? Jackdaw. Yeah. I, I did, uh, he's a jackdaw and he looks kind of like a black bird with pretty scary white eyes. And he started off as like this local hero and then eventually, Derek oh kind of got no. full of himself. He went and out. He dive, he's dive bombing children on the way to school. He's attacking people outside. Um, he's like uh, uh, chasing mostly. It seems like mostly children. Now just, so, uh, it's it's like is this a raven size,
0: crow size, yeah, eagle size. smaller, than, yeah, yeah, smaller yeah. than ostrich size?
2: Yeah, smaller than a crow, a, f- a fairly small blackbird. Okay. I think. It would be it's good because an ostrich that was terrorizing children would be like maybe killing children. This is just a many many deaths. It's a nuisance and it's it's uh, scary. But um, how long has this been going on? So um, recently, uh, recently he's kind of turned. He's broken bad. He has been a he's been a (laughs) local celebrity for five, four or five years. But in the last year or so, Derek has really kind of. I think that the power has gone to his head. This is like the orcas, the orcas <laughs> right. that have turned evil. No, because the orcas, the orcas have a legitimate reason. The orcas right. are like, what are these boats doing in
0: our, in our land? Oh, what are these people They're doing in my out.
2: forest? They're <laughs> driving up colonizers.
0: Well, he lives in the town though. So like he's a, he's it's, a trespasser. But might be who is he there first?
2: Maybe he's was his ancestral. I, I definitely, this village has been around longer than young Derek. Derek is mm. not an old bird. Um, but I think I really see the similarity between him, between Derek and Napoleon and Tally, you know, Tally Whacker and Tally, and Tally, Tally Rand. Rand, honestly, but all of them are survivors except for Napoleon and eventually Tallyrand. Ian, what's your book about? Uh, I brought a boat book this week, you guys. Right. It's about brick. That's uh, great. So, um, this is a recommendation from, uh, Lithead Rachel who has brought, who has
0: recommended some really, really good books. I'm glad she didn't bring this for boat week. That would have been.
1: <laughs> not Close. that theme. would have not
0: maximized the amount of boat books we brought into this podcast way to maximize <laughs> it's that number. It's true. Again. i'm spreading it around uh, i'm gonna read what
2: what rachel says about it that'd be great previously she re- uh, requested uh, a book oh who is the author the book that had um some really good slang in it some really good mm. historical fiction type slang and she says i'm continuing the theme so i have a game later about that slang that'll be a lot of fun slang um, game the slang game, uh, but but she says this is a brilliant, brilliantly researched novel set during the Napoleonic Wars and sets up the twenty book long series of adventures following. Oh boy, the ship captain Jack wow. Aubrey and his surgeon Stephen Maturin O'Brien was heavily influenced by Jane Austen's <coughs> writing style. I didn't know this. This is a super cool fact. So the, his books are full of witty dialogue and complex characters that illustrate the social dramas of their time. Is that the style
0: of Jane Austen? Witty, witty. Yeah. Dialogue, yeah. dialogue, complex, complex, characters, characters, yeah. complex yeah. characters,
2: social dramas. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. The, it's called the novel of manners. And I, 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 did, I didn't realize this when I was reading it, but, um, that kind of, it helps me understand what's going on in this, in this book. Uh, she says, Rachel says there are epic sea battles where the underdog beats the bigger, badder guy based on real historical events, lots of amusing metaphors and mistranslations. What more could you want? And I would say nothing. This is quite a fun book. Not quite just a fun book.
0: book. Um, Can I get a quick page count? Uh, he really yeah, scared not me not with bad. the 20 book series comment. <laughs> it's not too long.
2: It's, you know, it's decent. Yeah, decent. Decent, um, great. Do all twenty books exist? I would say, f- I would exist, say in like the three, I would say in the three hundred page, oh, three hundred page range somewhere in there. So shorter than Joe's book for sure. Yeah, both both of our books showed tremendous restraint.
0: It must yes, also be t- said, I'm, right?
1: Like both books and political books can be. I think. Quite do you think long. that's
0: just um, Napoleon movies being god-awfully long, where you're just like your right. expectations are like this is gonna be painful?
2: <laughs> you gotta cram <climb> everything <laughs> in <laughs> the series. I to be to be completely honest with y'all, I, I had previously, I had previously read some of these. books books i mm-hmm. did not finish the series because as well, a 20, 20 books long 20 books long series you get to a certain point and your main central characters are just doing the same things in different you know settings different right. now they're in a coffee um, shop it's like the it's like friends all right so ian what is it what is it about <laughs> um so this is it's not quite a buildings roman because you had a lot of those i'm not going to say uh, that um, it's but a but ship's it's, roman it's, Ships <laughs> in Ship um The the British the British uh, naval s- setup was um, kind of kind of arcane and kind of silly. If you were if you got to the 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 step right before captain, mm-hmm. you had to do something pretty amazing to become a captain. Oh, right? it's like Catholics with the
1: saints. Right, like it's like you can almost, you can be a really good person, but if you want to be a saint, you better commit a a miracle, commit a miracle, miracle,
2: (laughs) miracle, (laughs) miracle, miracle, miracle. After you die, he he, if you're if you're a a lieutenant, a lieutenant, you're just like hoping that something awesome happens and you help, right? uh, Or you're in charge of something, or maybe you're related to an admiral that also worked. After you get (laughs) after you become a captain, you just sit around. And you wait for the people ahead of you in seniority to die off. Wow. And you might not always get the best ships, but after you reach the captaincy, like you're set, basically it's like mm-hmm. in, in academia, it's like getting tenure. Like you get that. <laughs> right. And supposedly you have jobs. You life. don't really have wow. to worry about teaching the kids anymore. I no. get it. So, um, in this book, our main character, Jack, um, doesn't quite get promoted to captain, but it's like provisional captain. Mm. And so his, uh, he's a, ex- just on the edge. And if he, like he, if he, if he doesn't screw up, basically, if he can kind of stay on the, the windy side of everything, do, do his job really well, manage his ship, uh, not get killed by the French and the Spanish, not get captured, not accidentally sink himself. He has a really good shot at this sort of lifetime appointment. But it's very hard. Uh, This is a harder time to stay alive than it is today. And I would say just in generally, in terms of staying alive, the difficulty goes up dramatically when you're on an old, old wooden ship.
0: Right. So, okay. So he's our main character.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And we follow him and his buddy, Stephen. What's his name? Stephen is... Uh, jack, jack jack is oh, our main character okay yes. Yes.
0: <laughs> this came out after yeah. pirates right uh, well well
2: well many many decades before um <laughs> we'll uh, have to check the dates on that one he he and he and his buddy Stephen are kind of an odd couple so um jack oh. is like this extremely british extremely like kind of he's big he's beefy he's loud um he likes to drink and eat Oh, big food and his
0: buddy, Steven, this is the odd couple on, on a boat. It's yeah, a fish. His, out of his, water. Buddy,
2: <laughs> his buddy, Steven is um, Irish, not English. Um, mm-hmm. Very political where Jack is like kind of bad at politics. Sounds like some um, good stereotype. Incredibly intelligent, up. incredibly, uh, incredibly like nerdy in a lot of different ways. And also, Really bad at boats. So whereas Jack has this <laughs> almost preternatural, he's Jack is good at boats. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephen is bad at boats, uh, and that's kind of a kind of a running gag throughout. This also means that uh, as as Stephen doesn't know much about boats, he kind of shares our confusion, and he also serves to be a mockery of boat culture. So this is not uh, one of those boat books where it's yeah. like oh, the the mis- the gallons. Oh.
0: Yeah. it's not. I like, don't know what that it's is. It's not like venerating <laughs> the boat culture. Anybody can be on this boat. <laughs> yeah. And so like, here's a main character who doesn't know about
2: boats and he's just like, Hey, what does that do? And like, don't, 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 don't touch that. That's yeah. the, that's the self-destruct. Don't right. touch that, yeah. that rope. It's um, like,
1: like when comedy has a straight man, you know, like if he has the person that you identify right. with and you're like, Oh, this boat culture, a little bit silly at times. It's
2: weird. It's weird. So yes, Steven is a straight man. In does that he we, leave like, we, like his clothes lying around? <laughs> I don't know what that is. And oh, it's an odd couple. It's another odd, odd couple. couple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Is he um, like kind of messy? Uh, no, no he's, not. he's not. He's actually fastidious and Jack is the one who's messy. So mm. Steven is, Steven is yes, the straight man, but also Steven is himself hilarious. Steven does things yeah. like putting ham in his pocket um, because well, he wants to later. have food later and then getting all <laughs> grouchy later because his pocket is all greasy. He's like, dang <laughs> it, I got grease on my pocket because
0: I put a <laughs> ham in it. I should have wrapped it up in a handkerchief. That sounds like something <laughs> my three-year-old nephew would do. <laughs> Yes. What, <laughs> ham? in a lot of ways in
2: a lot of okay. ways both
0: both um steven and jack are, are quite quite childish and that's not a french um, custom to put ham in your pockets i assume on um, he's irish he's irish and uh, no well where's <laughs> the not. french part where what does this have to do with napoleon Ian? <laughs> so this, this
2: takes place during the napoleonic wars and here is my Here's my Napoleon. Here's my Napoleon fact. Yep. This is a British it's from the British perspective. And one of the British kind of disrespectful nicknames for Napoleon was Boney. Um Boney. from Bonaparte. Oh. Boney. Bonaparte. Yeah. Bonaparte. So they refer to him as Boney throughout. It is. It actually, is historically <laughs> accurate. <Just> like, <laughs> people call him bony, like
0: uh, to piss him <laughs> off. I mean, I don't know that he would. I don't know that he heard about it because it was the other. It was the enemies, but right. maybe that's why he always Lit. had his hand on his stomach. <laughs> yeah. He was insecure. Yes, <laughs> sad. Um. So this takes this takes yeah. place in the era when
2: um, Napoleon is trying to conquer all of basically all of Europe, and the British are not the only ones holding him off, but the British are are definitely. One of the, the the big antagonists, and so the British are sailing their boats around and trying to find places to invade, and kind of struggling because the French are now on a team with the Spanish, and the French and Spanish together have a lot of big boats and they have a lot of coastline, um, and yeah. also the British are sort of like trying to attack the French and Spanish coasts, so they're you know they're on enemy territory, they're they're in in um, in enemy waters, so um, the the British the British big ships are doing their best but there's always this like rachel says there's always this kind of underdog feel is this a romp it's there are a romp there are certainly romp elements they're, it's weird it's, it's weird is it romp adjacent there's like there's like some inc- incredible hardcore adventure here okay uh, um, there's there's really really good like boat battles and stuff uh-huh. um one,
0: one of my Expl- favorite explosions i bet
2: absolutely yeah um there's cannibals. a there's a part where they're where they're uh they're they're uh having a big a big boat battle a big fleet action and the 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 um the cannons on the shore are using hot shot and hot shot is wow. where you put your cannonballs in a furnace and make them red hot and then wow. shoot them wow. and when they hit a wooden ship what do you think happens i don't know what the ship catches on okay. fire. <laughs> wow. And they're all made of wood, and it's very scary and bad. There's like there's there is absolutely adventure. There is I dare I say swashbuckling. Oh, okay. Is there but a, I think any I think, parrots? Great question. No, Thank you, Joe. No, not not featured. I would say not featured he parrots. Uh a lot Long John Silver, <laughs> but there's certainly parrots mentioned. This is a weird book though, because it's got this, it's 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 hilarious. Um, It's deeply funny and um, it's it's lighthearted about things that it's got kind of a dark humor to it. Things that you maybe you shouldn't laugh at become funny, but it's also like very, very well drawn, interesting characters. And it's also really beautifully crafted. Did you like it? I loved it. And I think part of it is the sort of joy that O'Brien takes in language and an exposition. So I have a game. Oh yeah, yeah, I like games.
1: Yes.
2: Georgia Hire, that's the one. That's the name. Oh, George Georgia Hire. Hire. I brought Georgia Hire. Rachel recommended Georgia Hire a long time ago, mm-hmm. and I brought it. Um, and George at higher devil's cub, it's got all this mm-hmm. slang in it. And that's part of the joy is figuring out what the slang means. So my game that I brought today is, is a slang game about uh, boat slang. Um, yes. kind of like, kind <laughs> of like John McPhee's geology book where Ooh. McPhee is just like these words, man, let's mess around with these words. O'Brien loves the language and he kind of pokes fun at it. So I'm going to tell the game is called. It's not what you think. It's not what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. The game is called. It's not what you, it sounds like. I'm going to tell you a word like it. that you think you might know what it means, and in fact, you don't. It means oh, something else. Wow! And so I don't really, I don't really expect you to get a lot of these, sure. but you should come as close as you can. And the person who, in my esp- estimation, comes closest in guessing a definition, love it. That's not what you think it is, Joe. I'm going to crush um,
1: you. I don't know. I, I
2: just, Joe knows boats. <laughs> Joe boat. We'll um we'll do a buzz in style. Okay. Um, I'm going to yar. Oh, that's good. I'm going to start super easy. TAC. T-A-C-E-R. Uh, T-A-C-E-R. TAC. Uh, uh, I'm
1: sorry. I heard Joe first. Ooh. I believe TAC. Uh, this is a salient term. It means to, Shit. it means to like, uh, like, like sail into the wind is kind of what I think it means. Uh, mm-hmm. crap. Joe does no boats. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh no. Um, I made a terrible mistake. Yes. Um, that is tack is either the active zigzagging, uh, towards yeah. the wind. Um, so that you don't just have to sail away from where the wind is blowing or tack can be a course, um, a, a direction. Oh, so okay, I'm cool. going, I'm, we're, we're, we're on a different tack now. Uh, different. Yeah. Mm. Is it
1: it's not tact,
2: right? Like nope. it's it's T-A-C-K. is that tact. what it is?
0: T A C K. All okay. right, next one, horse. Uh R <laughs> Nick. When you get sick on a boat oh. and your throat mm-hmm. hurts. mm mm-hmm. That's that's Rather literal,
2: uh, right. no, that's yeah. not accurate. Horse, um, specifically in the phrase "salt horse," is what they would refer to to salt beef as. One of the ways you preserve food. The they called the their
0: beef, beef horse. Yes, they called it salt horse. <laughs> is it because
1: it was so that's, bad. Like, is it because like once you salted it, it was like I don't want to eat this. Anymore. I think it's because it was tough.
0: Uh, I like think that,
1: that's the
2: sense of it, though. I don't know if horse meat is tough. Yeah. Um, I would, bet
1: it is. They look pretty. Yeah, I'm sure. Rangy. They
2: they, um, <laughs> they would preserve their beef in salt, and then they would have to soak the beef for hours to get the salt out of to it to make it inad to make it edible. Like, yes, because it could and, be. Yes, and then so that would waste. Though you pour that water over the so side. So if you had
0: bad uh, beef, you could say this is this is horsey. Just horse. This is horse. All right, let's do another one. Let's do nice. another horse fish. Yeah. fish. 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 Oh Oh, that's got to be uh, chicken. Go
2: ahead. <laughs> check it out and see. No, go ahead, go ahead, Joe.
0: Uh, I was just
1: gonna say they're the things that that are in the water that you like that swim. Fish again. Let me, no. let, let me remind you me. This, this is literal. This, oh, this game is you not, said that it was when you had a sore throat. That's
0: what horse this was. game is not. It is what it sounds I'm, like. I'm gonna say sick. I'm I'm feeling fish. I'm sick. I'm like I'm oh, sick. Oh, that's good like a little oh, little I, I green like in the gills. seasick. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It's inaccurate, but um, right, it's right. good. Yeah. Um, when your
2: mast, I get that a lot. <laughs> when, when the mast of your ship breaks, you know, say in a storm, or someone shoots it with a cannon, um, and you want to have to fix it before you get home, you fish it. And the way you fish a mast is you stick a couple of new nail up a couple of pieces of board on either side of the broken part, yeah. and you mostly just pray you make it back to port safely. Because otherwise, you have to paddle uh, <laughs> or, or master, just die. Yeah, you just master. die. Master? Oh, I,
1: I I'm gonna say ahoy on this one. Go ahead, Joe. I bet it's kind of like ironic. I bet it's the name that a person has, but like it's not like the person that's actually in charge of
0: the boat. It's like the guy that empties the chamber pots. Like he's the master. Mm, buzz, buzz. Go ahead. I'm Nick. gonna say it's the person who's in charge of the mast. Oh, oh, really oh, good. oh, oh, that's good. Yeah. Unfortunately, I would say Joe
2: is closer. All sack. Um, just in terms of kind of being uh the master of of the ship is not in fact the captain the captain is called the master and commander the master that's just the the straight up master is kind of a middle management style guy
0: he's a navigator (laughs) um so does he he keep (laughs)
1: inventory like is that what he does too like he keeps inventory so
0: people can call their uh middle manager master that's okay couple more couple more light light l-i-g-h-t
2: that's correct Can we use it in a sentence, please? No, (laughs) I cannot.
1: (laughs) Oh, wait. Okay, Joe. Um, okay, so like if you're shipping something, right? Like like truckers mm. talk about this. this like getting into weight. Truckers go places okay. full,
0: and then they come back mm. empty. So I think mm. it has to do with the cargo. Like I think if you have a light, ca- like you call it light. Good guess. Kay. Good guess. I have no notes on that. That's exactly what I think. I think it has to do with the weight of the ship. I'm gonna say just for f- just, you know because this just has a little fun here. Buzz, buzz. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna say it is. Maybe it means it's code for tossing people off the ship to become more light. Love that. Like, let's get a little light on this. Oh, I'm going to actually they... give you
2: a point for that. I'm going to give you a point for that, <gasps> Nick, because, <gasps> yeah. um, wow, because Joe pity, is very really wrong. No. Uh, and you're mostly wrong. But um, when, in, in, uh, in uh, marine parlance, when you say light as a verb, you mean, you mean pass, like gimme, light along that gunpowder light along wow. those people over the side so okay. if you are throwing people overboard to make your ship lighter you are lighting them overboard mm, and you i used point. it in
0: a sentence light. you did good job i, mean, I feel one like more. we actually one still use here. light like this
1: sometimes like like somebody al- alights or something like that like they they go we're moving they- on joe
0: we're moving okay. on <laughs> yeah right shut down last one last one stay it probably doesn't mean what you think it does. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, as, as the game says, it's not what it sounds buzz, like. Buzz Buzz? Go ahead. R? Rip. I think R. it's like stay the course. Like keep going oh. as is. Everybody stay. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay?
1: Okay. And I'm going sp- <laughs> to... And I'll say ahoy. Ahead, I think you. it's like... Um, has something to do with your clothes, right? Like oh. something like... Like you have a collar stay, for example. Like something that like keeps your collar up nice and upright.
2: Um, you're actually gonna get a get a point for that because you're wrong, wow. but you're close. A yeah. uh, Stay is a thick rope that helps hold up the mast, kind of like um, oh yeah, like guy wires on a on a radio tower. Yeah. So they it's had an big thick that ropes makes it that stay. I'm it's talking about support. big, big, big ropes that hold up the mast. So I think, they, we're, I don't we're think we don't think there's enough big ropes anymore. Like when you I see marine agree. ropes, something, that, like everybody something can agree. primal yeah. comes out. Yeah, we're talking about like, like, like three and a half inches thick.
0: Oh, still think they are ropes in the world. I don't.
2: Yeah, but we As don't re- ever see them. Okay. As a result of this game, Nick, you are keel hauled, and Joe, you're now a midshipman. So I'll, do with I that I information what you will. <laughs> I love that Keel hauled. Yep. Yeah. So keel-hauled. we we um we attach a rope to you, not a not a thick rope, a, a and we normal rope. You behind the boat, and we pass you. We, we throw you in the water, and we pull you
0: underneath the bottom of the ship. Oh my! Wait, is that true? God, why wow. like, no, yeah, did just, you do that? Just shoot him. Just why would you? <laughs> <laughs> Is it to kill them, it's or they have to, like clean off? It's waterboarding for the 19th century. Is it? That's wow. how you would torture somebody. It was a punishment. It was a punishment. Yeah. It sounds oh. like a punishment. Would they die?
2: No, not always.
0: Gentlemen, welcome to Tiffany's. A safe place for you to tell me all the terrible, terrible things about your book without it being held against you. Of course. I would say if I,
1: there was one thing that was weird about this book is like it, Duff Cooper is such a tally fan in this book, mm. and when you read it, you're like, okay, I really do like Tally Rand, but I also feel like I don't have the most reliable narrator. It's also like, yeah, it's it's a way that a biography. This is like an an historical biography. Like Duff Cooper is a historian. This is based on like actual correspondences. It's written in a with a subjectivity that a biography oh, would never be written with today. It's like,
2: Talleyrand, this amazing, handsome man, ordered the decimation <laughs> yes, of the villains. Yes, yes but He yes, did yes. it for
0: handsome reasons. His charm was only outmatched by his wit. <laughs> and his class. <laughs>
2: That's annoying. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's annoying, but that's also kind of endearing.
0: That's very it's, it's, much kind it's of it's
1: cool, but it's also like I don't know. Like I really like Taliban, but I also fear that I might really like a war criminal now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Joe, you lose. uh You yeah. know, he, I don't. He, he didn't
1: even say his sounds <laughs>
0: so interesting. Wait. Is that, well, it won't be held against them anyway. Ian, do you want to say something negative about your book? The book, you have to, you have to
2: kind of like make a, make piece of the fact that you're reading a, a boat book, like a dad boat book. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> like I'm in reading this and enjoying oh, this. Like Ian, I was wrong. I, it will be held against you. <laughs> My dad. That's another point in your column. Excellent. <laughs> I like dad boat books. There we go. Joe, you should have read that one. You like boats. Dad boat books. Congratulations, Ian. Congratulations, Rachel. Hmm. Rachel, yeah. down and again. I
2: think Rachel's Rachel's got a pretty good win streak going. Well, congratulations, Rachel. Congratulations, Ian.
1: Congratulations, Duff. Or not Duff, Cooper. Who wrote your book, Ian? Patrick O'Brien. Patrick O'Brien. That's a very... Patrick O'Brien <laughs> okay <laughs> all right Lit heads, we love your recommendations um, when you can bring one to us and we read a book that we no- otherwise wouldn't normally have read doesn't apply to Ian here because he's been a fan of the series mm-hmm. for a long time uh, we we super dig it uh, go ahead <laughs> head on over to Teen nope nope Tween, Whoa, tween Vogue. Don't, don't go, s- to, yes. teen Vogue. Don't, here, don't go to Teen Vogue. Yes. <laughs> go to tweenvogue.com. Unrelated to Teen Vogue, not even inspired by it. Um, and suggest a book, suggest a theme, uh, request a sticky. Um, and more than anything, the best way to help the show if you enjoy hearing three idiots talk about books every week is to tell a bookish friend about it. Um, you know, bookish people. You sometimes talk to them. Presumably, tell a bookish friend that you've got this. Uh,
2: mm, that's it. Wow, that really petered off. off there, dude. Yeah, it really <laughs> petered off. Unbelievable.
1: <laughs>
2: All right, I'm going to read a quote. This is the first the first time that Jack is on board his new old slow wretched tub of a sloop. Um, very ceremonial time, and it's kind of his first official uh, his first official uh, experience there. He's read out his orders. Um, he's told them, like, officially, I'm in charge now. Very good, he said. Dismiss the hands and we will take a look at the brig. In the hushed ceremonial procession that followed Jack, followed, Jack saw exactly what he had expected to see. A vessel ready for inspection, holding her breath in case any of her beautifully trim rigging with its geometrically perfect fakes and perpendicular falls should be disturbed she bore as much resemblance to her ordinary self as the rigid bosun, sweating in a uniform coat that must have been shaped with an adze did to the same man in his shirt sleeves, putting the topsail yard in a heavy swell. And yet there was an essential relationship. And the snowy sweep of the deck, the painful brilliance of the two brass deck deck quarter-deck four-pounders, the precision of the cylinders in the cable tier, and the parade ground neatness of the galley's pots and tubs all had a meaning. Jack had whited too many sepulchres to be easily deceived, and he was pleased with what he saw. He saw and appreciated all he was meant to see. He was blind to the things he was not meant to see the piece of ham that an officious forecastle cat had dragged from behind a bucket, the girls the master's mates had hidden in the sailroom, and who would keep peeping out from behind mounds of canvas. He took no notice of the goat abaft the manger that fixed him with an insulting devilish split peopled eye and defecated with intent, nor of the dubious object not unlike a pudding that someone in a last-minute panic had wedged beneath the gammoning of the bowsprit.